0: Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Kroll, a cognitive psychologist, coach, and the creator of the Great Work Journals. Every week on this podcast, we are asking the big questions. What is great work and why does it matter so much to us? What does it take to do more of your great work without sacrificing everything else? And how does the world change when more people are doing more of the work that matters the most to them? So, whether your great work is building your own small business or managing a remote team at a multinational company, you'll find insight and answers here. Welcome, everybody, to Unleashing Your Great Work. I am so excited today to have Don Corey, a speaker author and executive coach who inspires executives and business leaders who want to be more productive and profitable. He helps them achieve this by showing them how to streamline their activities, eliminate distractions, and better choose the activities on which they focus. His book, When to Say Yes, The Five Steps to Protect Your Time, was published in September of 2021, and I have read it. It is very good. Uh, Don Coy previously held several key leadership positions at Fidelity Investments during his successful 21-year career, and he has a PhD in human and organizational systems. Welcome to the podcast, Don.
1: Thank you, Amanda. Great to be here. I'm looking forward to a productive conversation, <laughs> I'd like to say. <laughs> yes,
0: let's for sure have a productive conversation. So Don, I as I mentioned, I did read your book. I thought it was very good. I can't wait. Yeah welcome. It's, you know, it's, it's always a good idea if you have read someone's book to tell them because it sort of feels like, you know, you send it out into the world and then you kind of wait. Mm -hmm. So I hope that, Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that lots of people after today go and get your book and read it. Cause I really did think it was a very good book. So Dr. Corey, can you tell me a little bit about your great work?
1: Yes, I would love to, uh, and I'm looking forward to your book as well, which uh-huh. I understand is like imminently imminent. coming out, right?
0: Coming <laughs> out June seventh. That's right.
1: June seventh. That's a great day. So, you know, I love helping people perform at their best, and mm-hmm. as you read in my bio, I do that through speaking and coaching and training. But in particular, no matter what the delivery mechanism is, whether that's coaching or training or speaking. I helped them by expanding on the work in the per- personal productivity space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this journey started for me uh, many years ago when I attended a seminar given by productivity guru, David Allen. Mm-hmm. At the time, the, the seminar was called Managing Actions and Projects, MAP. Mm-hmm. And then it became Managing Accelerated Productivity. And mm-hmm. ultimately, for, the, for your listeners that know this book, getting things done. Right. Um, And so uh, after that two day seminar on a Friday afternoon, I was so eager to uh, go back and implement what I learned. I stayed late uh, and this was early in my career and I got really clear on my commitments. I cleared my desk. I created a system that worked for me. Uh, I think the only thing on my desk at that point was um, my inbox and a picture of my car. A
0: picture of your car? Yeah,
1: yeah. Before (laughs) I was, I want to say that was before I was married. Otherwise, it would have been a picture of my wife. Um, In fact, it's funny because when I was writing the book, I made a little comment about that. And I originally wrote in a picture of my wife. And then I thought, wait a second. I don't think so. I wasn't even married then. (laughs) So this this, uh, system served me so well in my career leading global software development teams because I was able to stay focused on the important work and eliminate the distraction. So I continued to study this space, continue to do research in this space. And that's what led to the book, When to Say Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. So I noticed in your book that you got a PhD and it's not as though you got a PhD and then went and worked in software. You were in software for a while and you Mm -hmm. had already been to David Allen's MAP workshop what drove you to go get a PhD?
1: Well, there were three things, actually. Um, One is I wanted to continue to build credibility as a speaker and coach and trainer. Mm -hmm. Two is the personal accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Um, But three also was, feeling like there was still this missing piece in all the personal productivity systems that are out there that there was maybe something missing. And so I'm, you know, I'm kind of a geek about this stuff. And there's, you know, there's a whole shelf on my bookcase just dedicated to personal productivity and time management books. Mm -hmm. And the space I really wanted to understand was the mindset Mm -hmm. of the most productive people when they evaluate a request for their time. Mm
0: -hmm. And the thinking
1: is if we can really uh, control, uh, be good at that triage and control what's incoming, then we have a much more manageable list because Mm -hmm. the book was written and maybe some of your listeners fall into this space of having too much to do and Mm. not enough time. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe one or two.
1: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I think it's a really small niche, but If there's anyone out there, then this could be a good way to get back to a manageable list.
0: So you mentioned that you were thinking there must be a missing piece to the puzzle. And did you find it? Is this it?
1: I believe this is it. I believe if we can be more conscious and have the right mindset about evaluating requests for our time, then we say yes to the right things. And when we say yes to the right things, then... The rest is pretty obvious. We know when to say no, because mm. guess what? I mean, that's why it's called when to say yes, because we don't like to say no. Mm. We prefer not to say no. We associate more pain with saying no today than the potential pain of too much to do later.
0: hmm. Yeah. And was this um, so have you noticed in your own life a big difference since you started to really focus instead on what am I going to say? Well, let me just back up and say, it sounds like it's like instead of trying to find the one or two times when you're going to push back and say, I will not do that. The default is I probably am not going to do that. And I imagine that some of the work of this is setting expectations with everybody all the time that your default is to not do things. And so I'm not your go-to guy, right? I'm the one that you should come to when it's really the right opportunity. And that itself feels like a big mindset shift for people. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a very, like, I, for example have what I call a bias towards yes. I'm like, but I want to, cause it's gonna be awesome. And in my own experience, uh, like a whole chapter of the book in fact, the chapter of the book is called do less much, much less
1: mm-hmm. because
0: my own experience was exactly what you're describing. So this default of sort of expecting the answer to be no and then choosing the times when the answer is yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Feels like a huge, first of all, tell me, am I am I understanding that correctly?
1: Well, I really like the way you frame it. Um, mm. I, I haven't framed it exactly that way, but yes, let's make our default no. Mm. And when it's an amazing yes or mm. a really calling for a yes, mm. then you you can identify that. But I, I love that chapter of your book too, because One of the things I like to say is by doing less, we Mm -hmm. might actually accomplish more.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And in fact, I find that what we it is all in how we're sort of understanding what we've accomplished, right? Like Mm -hmm. what's more and what's less if it is just bulk work, right? Like how many things am I actually checking off my to do Mm -hmm. list? You can Mm -hmm. do more by doing more. But if what you actually care about is moving forward, the things that matter, what I would call great work, which is the focus of this podcast, then you will do so much less of what matters because you have occupied so much of your time with the stuff that just doesn't really matter. So it's really exactly what you sort of outline in your book.
1: In fact, I I think the only way to do great work is to do focused work, do less work, like Cal Newport calls it deep work, mm-hmm. um, where you, you, you're you focused for large blocks of time on what is really important. So, and, and that's kind of the distinction I like to make too between busy, which is checking off a whole lot of things yeah. and being purposely productive, which is feeling in control, being crystal mm. clear on your goals,
0: mm-hmm. making
1: progress on your most important goals, And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I like this mindset shift too, which is investing your time conscious about how you Mm -hmm.
0: invest. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So have you noticed in your coaching that you're doing, have you seen people go through transformational experiences where they were busy and now they're not like, what was that like for them? What did they discover? Mm -hmm.
1: And this is one of the things I love about the space is seeing this transformation, because um, I was speaking a couple of weeks ago, actually, in Miami, in Miami, and um, one of the participants said, I just got so much clearer Mm. about where I need to focus and what my priorities are. And I got a bunch of other stuff off my plate that I was focused on that or even partially focused on that wasn't as important. So even like in a one-hour speech, there was some transformation there that uh, they got refocused. Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: well, and I'm sure part of that is that your message is actually very counterculture. Mm-hmm. To say you should do less is the opposite of everything everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? It's like mm-hmm. it's all about
0: hustle. It's all about showing up early and staying late and. So I'm sure that when a message is so remarkably different from the default way that we live, even just exposure to it can be really transformational. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but tell me a story of somebody who you worked with in a longer term way, because I noticed that you've done quite a lot of executive coaching. So I'm sure Mm -hmm. some of this plays out in a longer longer trajectory.
1: I'm thinking of a company... That I worked with a few years ago, that was actually, I was working with the CEO on the verge of going out of business. Like he was oh. really cash flow strapped. And we worked together for a couple of focus days mm. and transformed the way he was um, uh, just managing his workflow, mm-hmm. number one, and what he was focused on. And so we, <clears throat> uh, working together, Built a plan for him to start focusing on what he was really good at, which was sales. He was uh-huh. very much a sales-oriented CEO, mm-hmm. and we got all the other stuff that he wasn't as good at, and then he didn't really like doing.
0: Right, by the and way. probably wasn't uh, really <laughs> contributing by doing it.
1: Right, <laughs> uh, when we got that off his plate and he focused on what he was really good at mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't even have to hire more people because he really wasn't in a position to do that anyway mm-hmm. but he he did bring in his team to get that stuff off and then he was focused on that he got clear with his creditors on how he was going to pay them back mm-hmm. and now he's you know multi-million dollar company
0: That's
1: that uh, that has done well so that, uh, uh, I'd like to say, you know, it's, it's, he did the work. I course, it wasn't anything course. magic, magic I did, but, but maybe I'd like to think that that shift in focus mm-hmm. and saying yes to what he was really good at and saying mm-hmm. no to the things that others could do was mm-hmm. an important shift for him. Yeah,
0: I, am sure it was. Um, and then I noticed that, you know, the main thing that you discussed that he was doing was delegating and I what mm-hmm. as while I was reading your book I noticed that the fifth stage is really delegation so yes. can you talk just a little bit about that because I think we all feel like if I don't do it it's not going to be done right or we feel like I don't have the money to delegate or I don't have a team member to delegate to can you talk a little bit about because I do think it's a critical strategy for almost everyone and yet I bet you are very familiar with the pushback and the the ways that people, Sort of resist delegation. What are those, and how do you suggest they sort of move through it?
1: So it's it uh, again. I think come back, comes back to mindset, um, mm. and it is a shift of a short term focus to a mm. longer term focus. Yeah. But the uh, so, and I, and I'll say longer term focus in two ways mm. because the the first way is the obvious way which is I can get something off my plate. And that may take an investment um, of time in the short term. It may actually take you longer to delegate Mm -hmm. it the first time Mm -hmm. than it would to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the more senior people, which are the ones I spoke to when I did this research, the C-level executives – they're thinking about the longer term. How can mm-hmm. I move this forward? So maybe the second time or third time, or even the fourth time, I'm going to start seeing a payback of that investment, an ROI mm-hmm. of that investment.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: the the other long-term thinking about this is was came as a little bit of a surprise for me. And as a leader for many years, it probably shouldn't have been mm-hmm. a big surprise. But They delegated, that these most productive people, they delegate as an opportunity to grow someone else. So they're immediately thinking, not only how do I get this off my plate so I can focus on more appropriate activities, Mm -hmm. they're thinking, how can the other person grow as a result of this interaction? Hmm. And if you think about that, then, and hey, we're in the business of people growth anyway, Mm -hmm. right? It starts to be obvious to us. If we can get our leaders to think that way too, then you're surrounding yourself with people that or are, are even uh, more, have, have more of an ability for you to delegate to.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really cool mindset shift. I like that a lot because when we are fixated on our own experience, mm-hmm. it feels like I don't want to do this. So I must give this terrible task to somebody else as opposed to uh, this is not the right thing for me to spend my time on. Who around me could, would enjoy it? should know how to do it, could use some support to, to become better at it. And then you stop feeling like such a jerk all the time because you want to be the person that people value and want to work with. And now you start to see these as opportunities for someone else. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. And think about it this way, too, because when do we feel the most fulfilled? I, I would uh, surmise or, or advocate that it's when we're growing and learning. Right. And so, if we can get someone else, give someone else that opportunity to, to as well. Hey, I've got yeah. a great opportunity for you, as opposed to like you said, I have this horrible <laughs> task I don't want to do. <laughs> Will you do it?
0: <laughs> right, that's a really, really good offer. Would you like to do this thing I've I've no interest in? <laughs> yeah, I really like that. And there's another there's another layer to that where it's like some some tasks. Let's be real. I recently was uh, sending out a mailing and I needed addresses. And I needed somebody to go on the internet and scrape the addresses off the internet. Right, Like okay. that's nobody's idea of a great time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet the person that I gave it to was like, thank you so much. I, I needed the money. I needed the opportunity. So like in that way, I felt good about it anyways. But the other thing that I noticed, and I only in the, the time we've been talking, what have I been thinking about this? It also brought us back together, her and I Mm. collaborating, right? And building relationship. And then that's good for both of us because now I have someone that I know does careful work and I'm more likely to give more work to her. And yeah, really interesting. I like that focus, like that thought of like moving out of the immediate Mm -hmm. and into a longer term thinking, which itself is a big mindset shift that probably across the board becomes more available when you're not putting out fires all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So what do we usually say? We usually say we spend our time hmm. and like we spend money,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but what are the most successful, um, people do with their money? They don't spend it. They invest it. Think mm. of Warren Buffett and, um, other great investors. Mm-hmm. That's what they do with their money. They invest it. So if we can invest our time as well, and expect some sort of ROI. That ROI may be measured in different ways. Maybe you're gonna, uh, like in the delegation example, you're gonna get an ROI of time back.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: in another example, maybe it's business development, or, mm. or, or in the in the CEO of that failing company, it was the ROI of shifting the focus and investing his time in the right, right way was rebuilding the company.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've been investing your time in helping people become more productive. So I'm curious, how has it been for you getting this message out into the world? Have there been, what have you had to overcome in your own experience or in pushback that you get from sort of the market or the audience? What struggles have you had bringing this sort of great work to the world?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for calling it great work. It it actually got me in preparing for this, Mm -hmm. uh, thinking about, is this really great work? Because <laughs> you know, we all have those, but yes, I, I like to think it is. And um, the, the struggles I have with, with, well, first of all, I mean, let, let me say, hey, it's something I struggle with too, which is mm-hmm. part of doing the work is when, when we're out there sharing it and teaching it, we, it makes us better too. It makes mm-hmm. me better just mm-hmm. doing that. So mm-hmm. it's an everyday struggle because, Hey, I'm like everyone else. I'd like to say yes too. Cause there's a lot of fun, cool things to do out there. Um, and I think if, if there's one I can point to, it is that belief that, um, I need to do it all. Mm-hmm. And there's, you probably know about this cognitive bias more than I do. Um, we, we think we can do more than we actually can. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take less time than we actually can. So, um, so people are, are thinking, well, there's there's nothing on my plate I can take off. Right. And especially people that are trying to maybe manage uh, growing a family and kids and a career and, mm. um, and, and all of these different things, they're, they're looking at, well, there's nothing that can really move. So yeah, sometimes we have to make some tough choices yeah. about, where we're going to focus. And because we can't have um, I think you talk about this, too, in your journal, right, where mm-hmm. you have where you have people rank the areas of their life. Yeah. And you say no duplicates allowed. <laughs> right? We can't have six number one priorities.
0: <laughs> right. right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I I hear that. I hear that because a lot of the conversations it basically goes like this. You have to do less. I can't do less, but you must do less, but I can't do less. And it's like, okay, if you are going to argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm -hmm. And that's like, is that harsh? Is that tough love? I don't know. I think it's just like, it's almost like physics. It's like, it is the case. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, you've got to check out the great work community. The Great Work Community is where change-making entrepreneurs make drama-free progress together. Come on over for a co-working, accountability, coaching, and just-in-time courses. Check out the Great Work Community. The link is in the show notes. I spent so many years discovering efficiency. I, too, started with David Allen and getting things done and Inbox Zero, and <laughs> I became remarkably efficient. And every second of every day was still filled with things. Mm. And it just is the case. There will always be more to do than there is time to do it until you do what Don Corey is suggesting, which is stop, take a bias towards no and start vetting the things that are being, that are requiring an investment of your time. And I agree that people just, until they, Stop and say, "Okay, I'll find it somewhere."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that right there is like that's like the peak of the mountain because the rest of it's like they become heat-seeking missiles. Like they're cutting everything they can because mm-hmm. they realize how much freedom they have and how much more fun their life is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is yeah, a really hard I, one. I mean that that uh, I, I love that little interchange you you talked about. Well, uh, you have to do less. Well, I can't do less. You must do less. Well. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the coaching question I would ask there mm. is to how committed to change are you? Mm. Um, and, uh, cause some people are, and some people are to some degree, but not completely. Mm. And so we can keep doing the same things and, and mm-hmm. actually what's the saying? It's like, uh, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. Well, yeah. I, I don't even think that's the case. I think if you're going to keep doing the same thing, you're going to get worse results
0: Worse and worse and worse. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really good coaching question to ask. And I feel like it's because my TEDx talking a lot of what I think about is like there are these moments they they feel like okay. So I have a dog, she's part Newfoundland, part poodle. And the new part of her, newfie dogs are sort of notoriously stubborn. And okay. so when they don't want to move, first of all, they're enormous dogs. They're like the size of a horse. Mm. And if they don't want to move, you're not going to move them. Mm-hmm. And we call those the new breaks. Everyone who Uh-oh. has a new calls them the new breaks. It's not okay. going to happen. And I feel like there is this moment in people's lives. Everybody has them where you reach the point where you're like, I'm not sure why, but the new breaks are on for this. Mm. Like, I, I just will not, cannot, you're wrong. Something about this, like, isn't doable for me. Those are the moments that I find most interesting. And I think some of it comes down to a commitment to change, like you said. That's true. But I also feel like there's other coaching questions too that can be helpful when someone's like, no, I am committed to change. I don't know why I can't do this. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And
0: questions about like, what are you getting from not doing it? You know, like what Mm -hmm. are you, what are you worried you might acquire or have to handle or who, I mean, the TEDx talks about like the three things that keep us stuck in that spot. Like one is secretly deep down. You think you can't like, there's something about you that makes it impossible. One is like, people like me don't do this and everyone's going to hate me. That's why I sort of call that one. The, everyone's going to hate me problem. If I tell my brother that I can't pick my mother up for church three times a week, Mm -hmm. he will hate me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And then there's just the, like, there's really interesting questions that emerge out of like, do you want to do this? You know, are you holding on to all of this? Because what you say you're trying to move towards is actually not something you value. Mm -hmm. And that's when the questions really, I find get to the great work as opposed to the expectations.
1: Mm -hmm. Have
0: you found this? Have you had this experience too?
1: The piece around what purpose is it serving Mm. is really important because it is serving a purpose and that's not coming like from a judgmental place. It's, it's serving some positive survival instinct of some kind Mm -hmm. or, or, um, or some, you know, like even, uh, checking email, which I, I don't like that term because check means you're not really going to do anything about it. But, but we like to check email because we like to see that new big, bold message come in, which is a dopamine hit. And maybe Mm -hmm. that, maybe it's just simple as serving that with the Mm -hmm.
0: distractions. Oh, interesting. Um,
1: But it is serving something. So if we can uncover that uh, and then the question, I, I guess a great question you could ask, and maybe I'll start, maybe I'll borrow it and ask too, which is, uh, how much do you consider this great work, what you're currently mm. doing mm. or what in it could be great? Mm-hmm. What in it? So maybe there's some exploration there to uncover that it already is great. We just have to look at it a different way, or mm. the, we can come to the realization that, no, this isn't really great. There's something else. Mm-hmm. There's something else that's going to, you know, like the, uh, bring communities together and, Uh, have our unique point of view. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. One of the things that really clicked with me is I think that makes this great work is no one else, at least that I've found Mm -hmm. talks about that evaluation process of this request for your time. Yeah. So plenty of people talk about the importance of saying no and plenty others talk about how to say no. Mm -hmm. um, But no one really uh, talks about the process for saying yes or saying no.
0: Yes. And I, actually, I want you to just tell us the five steps of it, because I think yeah. just because I think I was like, this is great. Like I, what I like about it is that it's it's very um tangible and practical and you don't need more information to implement it. And then if people actually, obviously, we, you and I and, and many of our listeners, I'm sure know it's behavior change that Mm -hmm. makes any difference at all. You can't think your way out of the life that you're living. You can only live your way out of it. Mm -hmm. So what I like about your book, especially these sort of five steps, which you'll tell us in one hot second when I'm done talking, um, (laughs) it's real. Like you can actually implement it. Most books it's like, and now in order to really implement it, hire me, but no, your book is really (laughs) like, no, really just do this. So tell us what
1: are they and we even have an implementation process right in the book yeah Uh, so the so i'll do it with the five questions you can ask yourself when evaluating a request first does it align with my roadmap Mm -hmm. now of course to answer that question you need to have a roadmap and just like a vision uh, yeah a vision or a set of goals that are mapped out on a timeline that you know Mm -hmm. how you're going to accomplish so Uh, If it does great, or if it, even, you know, if you wanted to modify, at least make a conscious decision that you're willing to modify your roadmap. Mm. Um, Second is who is asking. Mm. And this is important because what I found was with the most productive people that they have what I called a relationship hierarchy Mm. where they uh, will pay more attention to a request from person A than they will person B or C. Mm-hmm. And uh, understanding more consciously what that hierarchy is can be really helpful. Third is, um, is it a quality request? Meaning, has the, really, has the person really thought through, it's respectful of your time, it's mm-hmm. well thought out, it's mm-hmm. crystal clear, mm-hmm. it includes solutions,
0: mm-hmm. have,
1: they, have they done that? That's what makes a quality request. Fourth mm-hmm. is, where does it fit on my priority list? So uh, the, the most successful leaders that worked for me when I led global software development teams, when I had a new idea or a new project to bring to them, they would say, happy to do that, Don, just where does it fit on my priority list? Mm-hmm. And they were effective because they had a priority list and we, <laughs> yeah. could look, we could look at it together and decide uh, where it fit on the list, if it fit at all. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you mentioned uh, step number five. We talked a little bit about it, which is master delegation and ask yourself the question, of course, is who can I delegate to? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, one of those th- along the way that I remember having like, oh, man, that's so good. The quality request. There's something about that that is, you know, the, the phrase people say, like, we teach people how to treat us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. if people are constantly canceling on you, like you're probably part of the problem saying like, it's no big deal. And I was like, yeah, like uh, people do what they feel like is going to be acceptable to you. Largely, we're all just kind of mirror neurons, right? Trying to fit the expectation. So the quality request, I feel like is one of those things where, first of all, you're helping another person be a better employee and person and collaborator by teaching them what a quality request is that you have done some of the thoughts. One of the things you mentioned was that it has a solution in it. Don't just bring me a problem. Mm -hmm. Bring me a problem with at least one or two efforts at solving that problem. I think that's really interesting. And I have to assume that that alone could really change someone's inbound requests
1: yeah and and this was pretty this is pretty consistent across the people I talk to where they're, they're very happy to bounce a request back to mm-hmm. someone and say, um, I'm not really getting it or it's not clear or mm-hmm. um, have you really planned this out or could you bring back some solutions? Just feel free to bounce it back in a polite way, in a right. polite way. We don't We don't want to create a bad relationships or enemies here. We want to do it in a nice way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. I, like I said, I think it's a really interesting set of questions and like any model that you take on one of my main areas in the book, at least it's coming out as self-expertise. And it's like, what, when you go out and read all these productivity books, it can start to feel like I have to do 777 things exactly right in -hmm. order to accomplish the goal. And I feel like in this, like any model, like some of these are going to could really transform and change your life. Like really asking for quality requests, really figuring out how to delegate. Like these are, these are important things. Yeah. So my question for you is, as you're out in the world doing this, helping people have these, like, what is the joy that you're getting from great work? Like, what do you love about it?
1: Yeah, I we touched on this a little bit, which is I love seeing this uh, transformation in people and watching others improve their performance. Um, Which again, that ties into one of your key parts of great work, which is uh, it happens in community.
0: Yeah.
1: And it happens together. So, and that's, of course, that came about many ways for me, which is, just extracting all the information from all these great productive people Mm -hmm. and then, uh, sharing it and seeing others transform. It's, I get great joy out of that. I also just love being on stage and sharing the ideas and, and getting people to, um, react and, and, uh, evolve as just as part of that process too. I'm still working on my first TEDx Amanda. So I'll let you know when that comes out, but, um, yeah. yeah. A lot of that's joy. That's gonna that.
0: be great. Yeah, that's so cool. So I think that the work that you're doing is definitely great work. I feel like it um, you know, it is expressing your unique point of view, right? This is from your lived experience, like you've gone off out into the world like a like a night on a quest, like right? I'm gonna go figure out what is mm-hmm. it? Like, how can we have all these productivity books and people are still so darn busy? Mm-hmm. So off you went on your quest. Uh, it is really, it puts you in community with people who are doing work that you value, right? You're helping people have better companies, better teams, better, uh, experiences in their careers. And I think that's, you know, absolutely something that puts you in uh, contact with cool people doing cool things. And it's, you're learning new things. You're putting together a TEDx talk. You wrote a book, which is not nothing, a very good book. And it feels like as you're creating all these things, these impacts that you're having on people, you really are leaving quite a legacy behind you so that when you're gone, your message remains. So I I definitely, what's that you say?
1: I said, I hope so. Yes. No,
0: not you hope so. It is happening. You are Mm -hmm. doing it Yes. It's very, very impressive. And before I ask you to tell us how we can learn more about you, I just want to point out one thing that I loved so much from your book, which is where, and I think we should all, we should all take this up. We should all join Don on his quest in this particular way. When somebody says, I know you're so busy. (laughs) Like, oh, this is about to happen. I am (laughs) definitely going to say to people, well, what do you say? Don, you must be so busy.
1: I say, you know, I'm purposely productive. Mm. And uh, that we talked about the, the, uh, what makes you purposely productive earlier, feeling Mm. in control, investing your time, making progress on your most significant goals. It's again, it's a mindset shift because Mm -hmm. busy has a negative connotation, right? I'm, I'm just, it's like heavy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm crazy busy. I'm scary. Yeah.
0: Right. And yet it's worn as a badge of honor.
1: Sometimes it can be worn that way too. Yes. Mm. That, uh, you know, I'm really busy. busy I love that you're really going to send
0: them an email saying, "What like, oh, makes you think I'm busy. Yeah. But <laughs> but what is it about that? what you know about my life that, but in what you pointed out was like, a lot of these are just their blanket emails. The assumption, yes. the default assumption of the world in which we live. And that's why it's really a problem is that we are all, maxed out and if you're not maxed out you must feel what like guilty or like you're you don't have enough hustle you know i feel like on a cultural level you're really looking for a shift as well
1: yes yes it's it's well said and then um or or they're feeling like they're not contributing or something Mm -hmm. so yeah if we can shift that that it's okay In fact, let's even go beyond okay. Not that it's okay. It's preferred Hmm. not to be busy because you are being purposely productive. Mm -hmm. And productive, I even talk a little bit about reframing the word productive because if that means sitting down with your favorite people and watching TV or watching a movie, then that, and that's a conscious decision of yours, then guess what? That's productive. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean that uh, you need to be contributing, maybe contributing to your great work a hundred percent of the time, but right. you know what, if you take that time for yourself,
0: mm-hmm. put
1: your mask on first then Mm -hmm. you're going to be much better contributing to your great work. So in a way that does contribute to your great work. A
0: hundred percent. I like to say that in the, in the face-off, I feel like we're in a cultural face-off between resilience and hustle, mm -hmm. right? Like it's Mm -hmm. like, go, go, go versus I'm going to stop. I put my mask on, play with my friends, think about what I want to do, say no to a bunch of things, be purposeful in my productivity I actually would say that it's your resilience and all of those things that are infinitely more responsible for your great work than the hustle.
1: For sure. That
0: is the default mode. Yep. 100%. I love it. Well, Don, tell my listeners, tell our listeners how they can learn more about you. What, what can they do to have you come and speak at their company? Uh, how can they get a copy of your book? Tell us everything.
1: So to um, get in touch with me, you can go to my website, which is just simply Mm doncorey.com. I think we should probably spell that because it may not.
0: (laughs) I will put it in the show notes, but you (laughs) (laughs) can spell it as well. So
1: D-O-N is easy. D-O-N. And then Corey is Mm K-H-O-U-R-I, Don Corey. It's actually a Middle Eastern name. Mm. Uh, Corey means priest in Arabic. Oh, interesting. But but I promise that there are no confessions required. <laughs> They're completely optional. <laughs> confessions optional. <laughs> confessions optional. So uh, so you can go to the website. All my speaker information is there and how to get in touch with me. Email is very easy, don at doncorey.com. Mm-hmm. And to pick up the book, you can either go directly to Amazon or when to say yes.com with T-O, okay. you know, when to, T-O mm-hmm. say yes.com. That's it. Awesome.
0: Well, I want to add my personal recommendation that you read this book. It is not just informative. It is actually very entertaining. And I don't know who late, I just had my book formatted. So I think about this a lot, but the formatting of your book is really nice. Like it's nice on the eyes. I was like, look at this. It was really clean. And the little illustrations were gorgeous. I thought it was great. It's really like a pleasure to read.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It, it's actually amazing how much thought and, and planning goes into that, which I'll take like zero credit for other than saying, oh yeah, that looks good. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the, the great people and the great designers at Page Two, which is my publisher, mm. they, um, they yeah, just do amazing work. And I, I was really intrigued by mm-hmm. how much thought goes into the font and the yeah. spacing and the layout and so yeah. on. So. Well, they I did look a great forward job. to seeing your, your. Layover. Yes.
0: Thank you. I'll send you a copy. Yeah, it's great. And so thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and share your wisdom with us. It's been a real
1: pleasure. Likewise. Fantastic. You're amazing, Amanda. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> thank you for joining us today on unleashing your great work. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and make sure you check out the great work journals. To get the support you need to get started, stay at it, and unleash your great work out into the world.